first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Catherine, from Kansas City. Today, we'll be talking with Benjamin about All in the Fight for Democracy, Mo Fenny from Mambo Man, Cheyenne Jackson, Boo Boo Stewart, Charlie Gillespie, Owen Patrick Joyner, Jeremy Shada, Kenny Ortego, and Madison Reyes about Julie and the Phantoms, and Anna Mastro about the Secret Society of Second Born Royals. First, we will be reviewing A Call to Spy with Callista. So can you tell us what A Call to Spy is about? Of course. So this film is a historical drama set in World War II, and it tells the story of Virginia Hall and Noor Inyat Khan, I hope I am pronouncing that right, um, who were two female spies who infiltrated France. And it basically goes over their story and how they changed the uh, fate of the war. That sounds super interesting. And so you're saying it's based off of historical events. So how were the costumes? I've mentioned this several times before, but I am a big fan of um, like historical aesthetics and that kind of thing. I really enjoyed the costumes. I thought they looked very accurate and they were super pretty. I'm not even gonna lie. I am so into that aesthetic and it's every single time I see a historical film, it's one of the main things I'm always looking for. <laughs> yeah, costumes are everything. I just, it's a big part for me that those are all right. And also another big part of a good movie is, well, the actors. So what did you think about the acting and who was your favorite character slash actor? I thought the acting was all right. Um, I wouldn't really say anyone was a particular standout except for um, Noor. Um, I thought her performance was phenomenal and I don't want to get into spoilers but her actress definitely gave some of the biggest emotional gut punches throughout the entire film especially towards the end um I don't remember her name I feel so bad but yeah that's all right but uh that so yeah that sounds it sounds like a really interesting movie and I personally am a fan of historical dramas and just historical stuff in general. So um, had you ever heard anything about this story before? And what did you learn that you thought was interesting? Actually, no, I didn't know anything about um, these people until this movie came out. And I thought that was interesting because I was like, why, why aren't I learning more about this? Because it also, because also, um, this is kind of one of my bigger problems with the film, but I feel like it doesn't really go into that much detail on a lot of things about Virginia, about Noir, about another character who's their spy mistress, Vera Atkins. They all are very interesting individually, and especially considering, like, like, Noor is, like, a Muslim spy, a Muslim female spy, and Virginia has a wooden leg and I'm like why aren't I learning about these people this is so this is interesting I'm, I was like actually kind of upset after I watched it because I was like I want to know more about these people yeah and so you're saying it I mean you're saying that it 
would have been a little bit of a better movie if maybe it had some more background and you're saying, I guess you still kind of liked it. So what were your overall thoughts about this movie? Um, my overall thoughts, I definitely think it was an interesting movie. I just felt it could have been executed a little bit um, better in terms of giving us more information about these three women as characters. And I did kind of feel like the screen time was a little bit imbalanced in a lot of places. Um, but overall, um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, so it. I feel like I watched the trailer and I thought, I was like, wow, this actually seems like a very interesting movie. And so it is a spy movie and spy movies can be very complex. So was it easy to follow? For the most part, I think there were certain parts where I definitely kind of had to rewatch the scene a few times, which, um, you know, that was kind of a bit of an issue. I, I feel for the most part, it is easy to follow, but there are a few moments where, because it jumps between characters a lot, and sometimes their mission changes, which without really much of an explanation, new characters get added, so it was a little bit hard to follow at points, but like, I did get the general gist, thankfully. Yeah, and so... Uh, what is the main message of A Call to Spy? I definitely think the main message is that, um, you know, anyone can sort of make a difference because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of moments, especially early on, where they kind of don't believe in Virginia's ability to, um, you know, be a good spy because of her wooden leg and that causes her problems early on. Um, and then there's also, you know, um, there's a lot of moments involving that and there's a lot of uh, scenes where they're like, we don't know if this plan is going to work because this is an incredibly risky plan. And in many ways it doesn't pay off, but also they're like, hey, we did manage to do something good. We're gonna focus on that and we're gonna keep moving forward. And so final question, uh, what is your age recommendation and star rating? My star rating for this film is three out of five stars and I would recommend it for ages 12 to 18. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking with Mo Finney for Mambo Man, Cheyenne Jackson, Boo Boo Stewart, Charlie Gillespie, Owen Patrick Joyner, Jeremy Shada, Kenny Ortego, and Madison Reyes about Julian the Phantoms, and Anna Mastro about the Secret Society of Second Born Royals. Right now, we're switching over to our review with Benjamin about All in the Fight for Democracy. So what is this documentary about? Sure. So it's about a lot. <laughs> it covers a pretty wide time frame. We're basically going from... Um, the signing of the Declaration of Independence all the way to 20, the 2018 um, election in Georgia uh, for governor between Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp. And the thread that the movie's following is all about voter suppression and voting rights. And it takes you through, it takes you through Jim Crow, it takes you through the civil rights movement. Um, a lot of very important moments and movements uh, of the past 200 years um and yeah all right so it sounds like it's a very interesting uh documentary with a lot of information and so was there anything that surprised you most after watching this uh surprised how mad i got um i knew i i was some vague awareness of who stace abrams was 
But after watching all the evidence that voter suppression is still very much a thing and seeing how important, I mean, you know, voting's important. I know, like at the basic level it is, but seeing all the, how important it is and how much people have fought for their vote uh, is just makes it so frustrating to see it abused um, in favor of one party over another or one candidate. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely, and knowing that it's like the, it's kind of that time of year where we're voting and it's probably a very important topic to be going over right now. And so knowing that you can vote only when you're 18 and older, uh, what might make this enjoyable for younger kids? Sure. Uh, it's educational. Uh, and I know that probably doesn't sound fun, but it's really well made and really well put together. And it's like a tight 100 minutes. Um, and it covers a lot of ground. And I think if you're at all interested in the voting process or the process, you'll go on to do in a few to maybe several years. Uh, I think it's worth a watch. So, and just to know kind of what's going on when you hear people talking about voter suppression, uh, just to get a better sense of the full scope of that issue. Yeah, that all sounds very actually interesting. I've always loved documentaries just because, well, they're educational. You get to learn so much more about what you hadn't known before. And so there were a lot of people informing like I, at least I, I saw the trailer and it looked like there were a lot of people talking and going back and forth. So who was your favorite person that was in the documentary? I really like Stacey Abrams. She is kind of the perspective that ties it all together. Not only is she probably the only one I'd heard of beforehand, um, but the movie goes beyond just uh, that one election and kind of talks about um, her roots in politics, which I thought was interesting, but it never takes over the whole narrative around voter suppression. Um, and she's also just a very engaging speaker. And yeah. Yeah. And so I just, I remember I watched, uh, John Lewis, uh, kind of talk. Mm -hmm. I watched the John Lewis, uh, documentary. I think it was called good trouble. And mm -hmm. it was kind of also about the same, topic um well not exactly but you know no I yeah uh, I get where yeah. you're coming from I saw that one too yeah and it was really good and so I just I guess I can kind of relate to that and so how can you kind of relate to uh this documentary um well I can't vote currently and uh I've never really been in the position of someone who has had to worry about the right to vote. I am, uh, as seen in the film, I am not a convict or a uh, anyone whose vote is necessarily in danger. But it's, it's really important to see. Um, and I, I, it's not something I thought about in terms of an issue, but this movie has made me realize everyone, it's, we live in a country where we're able to vote in a democracy, and it's what keeps it chugging along. And I think more the more people who can vote, the better. Sorry, this became not as much about the movie, did it? Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. Um, 
So what, so it says it's, it's having a lot of like good messages and maybe ways we can change for the positive. So what was the key message that this documentary was trying to convey? Um, knowing the power of your vote, I'd say, uh, you're right. Particularly as you mentioned earlier, we're heading into an election, but also the lengths to which people in power will go to take it away <laughs> or manipulate it or harness it for their benefit. Yeah. It's very urgent film. The movie ends point blank. It says, go vote. Here's how you can do that. And it's, it's crazy because the movie can't really conclude because this fight uh, is still ongoing and it will go on for long after this movie comes out. Yeah. I think the lesson is, you know, your vote is important and you should use it. And so what is your age recommendation and star rating? I'm going to give it a, an age rating of 12 to 16 or 12 to 18, excuse me. Um, and I think everyone above 12 should probably see this movie because it's important. Uh, but the reason I give it 12 to 18 is because um, there's some archival footage that can be particularly disturbing that you, you usually start to wade into that territory when you start exploring um documentaries covering anything from like the Jim Crow era that stuff can be pretty upsetting and I give it four out of five stars I highly recommend it I was I had gone in with reasonably high expectations I had a basic idea of what I thought it was going to be and I was really impressed with it and I think you should definitely see it I believe Amazon made it free to watch for a limited time but it's also on Amazon Prime Let's take a break. I'm Catherine from Kansas City, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Gigantosaurus, Season 1, Volume 1. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. 
Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Catherine from Kansas City, and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about A Call to Spy with Callista and All in the Fight for Democracy with Benjamin. Next up, we'll be interviewing Mo Finney, the director of Mambo Man. Take it away, Heather. Hey, guys. I'm Heather Suarez, reporting for Kids First, and today I'm sitting down and talking with Mo Finney, the director of Mambo Man. Hey, Mo, how are you? Nice to talk to you. Hi there. Good evening. How are you? Hi, I'm great. So one thing that I love about Mambo Man is that it is a true story. And you actually play yourself in the film. So what did J.C. and David have to say about the film? Well, J.C. is a very, very close friend of mine. I spent years and years, over 30 years, traveling backwards up from Cuba. and, and, And then, you know, he's a and I've been to his concert many times and often go to the city where he lives, Bayamo, and live together. And then when, you know, so that was an amazing opportunity for me to, 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 to basically write a script and then direct it, you know, co-direct it with a friend of mine. And now I'm very close, but Jotese and David are all very, very happy people. And they're very, you know, they're so, so, so. Mm-hmm. And when you guys were casting Hector for Jotase, did he have any input in the casting so you can make it as close as possible? Yes, of course. I did all the casting myself, all, you know, and then a very conventional, traditional, not the same as Universal Studios because this, the situation is very different. So I asked Hector Noas whether he could come to Bayamo with me and stay with, in the house of Jose. JC or Jose Juan Carlos or JC for a while in order to know him and in fact to change his personality from inside to JC. So he's got to lose his identity as Hector Noas and become new JC. The way to do it, it wasn't really writing or reading the script, is really living the guy, going to drink with him, live in his house and do whatever he does, all his sort of extreme uh, sort of eccentric behavior that, that JC had. He had to basically had to change a mask of uh, Hector Noas to JC. And one day he said, Mom, I'll be ready in a day, I'll be JC. And funny enough, the day is finished, say, do, I, do, do you give me permission to go back to Hector Noas? <laughs> I said, of course, Hector, you know, now thanks very much. So, and he did really well. He absorbed the spirit of JC, you know, but, and the only way was for him to live with him in Bayamo for a while. And so you just said that how you got closer to Jotase and David, but whatever happened to Roberto and Dolores? Did you guys ever see them again? To whom, sorry? Roberto and Dolores. Oh, Dolores, yes. Dolores, I can, you know, I see them. In fact, she is the wife of a editor and co-director Edeso Alejandro. So I see them on Facebook every single day because I'm very close to Edesio Alejandro and they are really close friends of mine. We, when I'm in Havana, I spend 90% of my time in the studios. We got, you know, he's got a studio, recording studio and film studio. We spend a lot of time together editing different materials and so on. So we are very close with everybody in the film, even the farmers who were on the farm. When I go to Bayamo, they, every time I go, there's a roasted pig waiting for me. So, so we are still, you know. And exactly like what you were saying about the farms. Now, when, when you filmed in Cuba, was it difficult trying to pick the perfect landscapes for the movie? 
on the, 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 the landscape or the farm, which you see in the film, actually belongs. It's, it is a true story. I have not changed anything of the story. I basically, he told me the stories. I spent six hours in a balcony in Mexico and wrote the script. So actually there's no creation or invention or, or, or put in, say, salt and pepper. It's just what I learned, what I knew and what he told me. And the farm he had, I asked him a year and a half ago whether I could turn it to a, to a location for, for beginning of the film. And he said, of course. But normally what, ha what would happen, that in Cuba is as you haven't been there, but you get very rainy season, you get flooded everywhere. And for a few years, it didn't rain enough in, in, in the months of March and April. So we decided to take the farm, turn it into a desert at the beginning, because the idea was how dry it is. No? And the first time we turned up, we told the crew, suddenly becomes cloudy after five months. And due to international or worldwide climate change, really everything is sort of upside down. So for the first time, the clouds start coming. So in the middle of the film, I had to stop, change the script, say, you have to say, you know, it's so dry, I can't do anything. You have to say, I don't know what to do. One day is, dry, one is, one day is minute, one minute is cloudy, one minute is, is sunny. So we had to change as we're going along, you know? Right. And you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking with Calista for Our Call to Spy, Benjamin for All in the Fight for Democracy, Julia and the Phantoms, and the Secret Society of Second Born Royals. Right now we're continuing our interview with Mo Finney, the director of Mambo Man. And I love, love, love how you were saying about the accuracy and that you stuck to your actual story. So you were changing things left and right with the weather, obviously. So what was your favorite scene or the most unexpected scene that you guys filmed? My worst, I mean, the best, the worst one, we set up to do a market in Bayamo. And honestly, it started pouring down and supposed to be the hottest day, sunniest day desert. And everybody walking with umbrellas, the cameras, I mean, the amazing footage you could never use. We spent three, six hours waiting for them, never came out. So we had six hours of amazing footage of rain, if, you know, for the next movie. <laughs> so that didn't work out, you know. And of course, the, the most wonderful moment was when the group of English people, tourists, turned up to the party, right? And we organized all, and suddenly it, it turned up into a real party. They forgot we're filming. They were eating and, and they sang and they're dancing. And it was really having a group of English people to, to a party. And it was funny because, as you know, Cubans, DNA comes music and dance. And yeah. English people or European move, move sort of like a statue, half body is solid, half body. And so when I tried to dance the English people with them, I was dying behind the camera of laughter, how they tried to move. And, and so, so that was quite the funniest part. I couldn't stop laughing. I, I absolutely love that scene because it was such a big scene and you captured the Cuban life so wonderfully because I live in America, but we, like you said, that DNA of music and family. So the fact that you were able to bring two cultures together was awesome. So what do you hope that audience can take away from watching Mambo Man? Look, the Mambo Man is a story of a common man in Cuba is a story of every man's. We are all go through the experience in life, if not today, tomorrow. And unfortunately, we're facing a world which is very uncertain due to coronavirus. And 
things are not as they should be, as we are used to. And I thought, you know, what is wonderful is quite a pure coincidence. The Mambo Man comes in a moment that at the end of it, he's got a message of hope, inspiration, and future. He says, you know, what is important is love. What is important to live together. What is important, you know, is all, all will be all right again. I lost everything I had, but I got you and I got my daughter. And that's the real, the main story. So hopefully, you know, with the story we have now at the moment, with Corona and so on, tomorrow will be all over. And with love and affection and what we share in the world, hopefully, you know, we're going back to where before and hopefully with a better world than yesterday because, you know, we've done so much wrong in life and hopefully the message is that, you know, it'll be all right again. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and, and Hota said he learns that because of his wife and she talks about how much they're struggling with money and even she gets to learn that money is not everything. And of course. What, what did you learn while... Jota, the story was going on in real life. Well, my and you know understanding that life in Cuba, as you know, is very very different from the rest of the world. We call it otra galaxia or another galaxy, really. When you land in Havana, you got to say bienvenido a otra galaxia. You welcome to new galaxy. And when you leave, you say goodbye the galaxy. And so it is is a and for me is an honor. And I'm proud to be able to share the lives of Cuban with the rest of the world, which is wonderful, and to show them what real Cuba is about. Because whatever you see these days is whatever you've seen about Cuba, Havana, 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 Havana. And Cuba is not Havana. Cuba is much more to Cuba than Havana. And the tourists get the plane, go to Baradero, the coast, on the coach, back to their hotel and back, you know, and back home. And they got a wrong idea of Cuba. And hopefully the film gives a message to everybody that Cuba is, you know, the countryside is not the same as Havana. And people are so wonderfully different in a way, and they're in you know, happy people. Very little they have, they, you know, still they are very, very happy. And, and, you know, they live in a sort of, you know, very calm kind of, you know, lives they have, you know. Right. And so I presume that Hotase and David have seen the film. What did they say about it? If they have seen it. Well, the Hector Noas is on, on, on Instagram and on Facebook only daily. And I send him, we are very lucky so far. Mambo Man, he's, he's, we had 36 awards by today, international awards, Mambo Man. And I always send them to Hector. And I send all member of crew and they're happy. And I believe that they are almost every week on, on Cuban national TV talking about Mambo Man. So they are all sort of chuffed and they're very sort of happy and they sort of, hopefully when the corona is over, we're supposed to go in, in December to show it both in Havana, in a Havana Film Festival and in Bayamo for the people of Bayamo who are thanking them for such love and affection they gave us to the crew. You know, we're a thousand kilometers from Havana. We got a crew of 35 people, no hotel, no food, no petrol. Cuba's got a lot of economic problems, sadly enough, but it's not all Cuba's problem, but we create those problems for Cuba. However, it's a hard time. And I got to go and say thank you to all people of Cuba, show the film to them. And hopefully, we, you know, we got a big, big square, the Plaza Revolution in Bayamo. We invited Cando Fabre and all the local musicians. There's part of all musicians were local from the eastern part of Cuba, where the sun was born, to invite them to a big concert and big, you know, and, and the film followed by the film and then sort of, you know, to say, and then I got to say thanks very much. So we pray for the corona to go away as soon as possible so we can all get to our normal lives, really. And I, 
too. Can't wait to see how everyone reacts to this wonderful Cuban film. It's for literally anyone. So thank you so much, Mo, for talking with me. I can't wait to see whatever you do next. Let me know what next project you do, okay? Thank you so much. Thank you to all of you. Thank you to, to all the people who watch your program. I'm honored and privileged to, 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 to be interviewed by yourselves and hopefully we give me inspiration to start my next script now. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I'm Heather Suarez reporting for Kids First. Thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to get all of our newest reviews and I'll see you guys soon. Bye. Let's take a break. I'm Catherine from Kansas City, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Gigantosaurus, Season 1, Volume 1. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Catherine from Kansas City, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking with Mo Finney about Mambo Man. Next up, we'll be interviewing Cheyenne Jackson and Boo Boo Stewart on Netflix's Julie and the Phantoms. Hi, I'm Celine Weiss, and I'm with Kids First. Thank you, Hi, Hi. Okay, so I've got goosebumps to be talking with Cheyenne Jackson, who plays Caleb Covington and Boo Boo Stewart in the role of Willie. So life is good on the other side, guys. How fun is it to play ghosts? <laughs> really fun. Um, Very fun. Yeah, it's a blast. Like it's it's just fun. The rules are different um, in our reality. And um, it, it's just it's just fun. You have a sense of freedom, I think, because because um, you're a ghost. <laughs> it's just it's just a great time, and I love honestly just love the character I got to play. It's very freeing. I learned a lot from him, just being you know a free spirited person, being spontaneous and kind of wild. And I felt like I could do anything I did was okay because my character was just in the world of 
that this is his best life is the afterlife. Yeah, I really enjoyed your role. Thank you. Cheyenne, is it fun playing the show villain? It's very fun to play the show villain. Um, I, I don't personally see him as a villain. I, I just see him as somebody who, he has a bone to pick. He, there's something about this band that he is obsessed with. And I think that's fun as an actor to like figure out what that is. Why do I, why do I, why am I so thinking about this band so much? Also, yes, so fun to be a ghost, so fun to be able to fly. And yeah, you, there's nothing to be afraid of because you're already dead. <laughs> Boo Boo, your character Willie is like the cool ghost mentor. What do you like best about this role? Um, yeah, the thing I like best about the role, um, I think it, yeah, just that he, I mean, I love the relationship with Alex. I really love that. I was so happy that uh, we were able to just bring that to life with such a, um, just sort of in the world of us being ghosts in a very grounded, uh, real sense. Uh, and to bring that to the show is really nice. And uh, I couldn't have asked for a better person to do that with you know, Owen playing Alex. So that's probably my favorite thing in the show is that relationship uh, for me um, that my character gets to do. Uh, the scariest thing was riding a skateboard because I don't ride skateboards and I <laughs> would always like slip and they'd say action. I'd go to do a skateboard move and I'd be like, oh, geez. <laughs> I'm not allowed to ride skateboards either. So be careful. Wear pads if you do. <laughs> and a helmet. And a helmet. Okay. Both of you are teaming up with Kenny Ortega again on this series. What is the creative process like working with him, Cheyenne? Boo-boo? Kenny is so joyful and positive and fun and exciting. And he has so much energy that he makes you feel like you can't do anything bad and you can't do anything wrong. You can, you can take a big swing in a scene acting-wise and it may not totally work, but you might find something that works. And he just makes you feel good. And that's a great feeling to be on set and just to feel good about yourself and not feel scared and judge yourself. And, you know, so that's, that's why I love working with him. That's super creative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Boo boo. Um, yeah, I just, I, I agree 100%. Kenny just, he opens up a, a world that is, you know, he listens to you and he like genuinely listens to you and listens to um, what you have to say. Um, and I think something that I've learned with Kenny is when he chooses the people for the role, he trusts you with that. So it's like, he picked you for a reason and there's a reason why you're here. And um, so there's a lot of confidence that comes with that. And um, yeah, the space he creates is just the most creative, fun environment. He literally will break out into a chant in the middle of filming it was like he'll grab the mic and everyone will get around and we do like a big chant and everyone's like singing and dancing and someone's like dancing up on the on chair. Like it's just so much fun. Like it's just a very fun environment every day. Something, if something crazy happens, it's just, uh, it's, it's new and not new because you're working with Kenny and he has so many surprises up his sleeve. Awesome. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today and congrats on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Celine. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we're talking with Calista, 
for a call to spy, Benjamin for all in the fight for democracy, Kenny Ortego and Madison Reyes about Julie and the Phantoms, and Anna Mastro about the Secret Society of Secondborn Royals. Right now, we're switching over to our interview with Charlie Gillespie, Owen Patrick Joyner, and Jeremy Shada on Netflix's Julie and the Phantoms. I'm so thrilled to be talking today with the Phantoms from Julie and the Phantoms. Up next is Charlie Gillespie, who plays Luke, Owen Patrick Joyner as Alex, and Jeremy Shada as Reggie. Yeah. Hi, Celine. How are you doing? How's it going? Good. Charlie, congrats on the collaboration for Perfect, for Perfect Harmony with Madison. What was it like to write a song together and learn the dance scene? It was, it was, it was unbelievable, Celine. I got to tell you, it was like, um, the whole time all we want to do is be more of a band and more of a band and we keep on developing that skill you know and so being able to come together and 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 write something like that was just beyond and then having to dance i mean you know kenny kenny really put us through a wicked dance uh dance school right at the start there boot camp and um and uh the boys would know but there's these moments where we had to like like do these runs and then you know that you know that jump where you do the split and then you come back in there (laughs) And I remember for like a couple hours, we were all working on it. And Owen picked it up like that. I don't know where yeah. this kid has been dancing, but I'm he picked it up. And Jer eventually started yeah. getting it. But I was like tripping over myself and all this stuff. And so I was like, oh my God, we have this dance number coming up. But at the end of the day, it's, it's about who you're dancing with too, right? So uh, Madison was a, was a, a sport. Uh, so it was, it, was, it was really, really fun. It was really, really fun. Owen probably got it easy because of his musical um, theater. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Thank you, thank you for that. The first interviewer to bring to add that in there. Thank you. You're welcome. So, Owen, please tell us what the performance boot camp that the band had prior to production of the show and how it brought you all together. Um, I mean, I think that was a little bit of the mastermind behind Kenny. You know, like he he he's so genius in that, like. Uh, he saw an opportunity. I'm sure he pitched it to Netflix and was like, Hey, look, these kids need to learn their instruments and stuff. And which we really did need to do. And um, I mean, it was crazy. It was a lot of fun. It was like eight hours a day. And we had like the best instructors to learn our instruments and we were doing dancing and, and, and we were learning, we were doing uh, vocal lessons and stuff like that. But um, beyond that, I mean, we were together, what, eight, eight hours a day. So um, we had plenty of, plenty of time to bond and really become friends. So, um, I feel like you can kind of see, you know, the fun we have and the chemistry we have. And I think you can see that on camera. You guys were definitely super lucky to be able to do that. Yeah. yeah. Jeremy, this yeah. show really looks like you all had fun time working together. What's your favorite scene and why? Oh, great question. Um, I think, I think one of my favorite scenes is probably uh, the, the finale scene where we do stand tall um, just because it been the end of such a long shoot and it was kind of the last big performance that we got to do together. And so it was so bittersweet in the sense of it being the last one of the season, but also in the context of the show, the guys think this is like going to be the last song that they ever play. And so uh, the, what was happening in real life kind of transcended, I think uh, on the screen and that made it so special. And it was just like the ending of it. I love the the part where we all come together at the front of the stage and, uh, and do kind of our, our bows together at the front. Um, and 
yeah, it just that's one of my favorite songs in, in the in the series too. Um, so it was a blast. Plus, the costumes we have in that part, the little suits are, are pretty freaking sweet. So uh, cool wardrobe. <laughs> I definitely really enjoyed that scene as well. Charlie, I'm so impressed with all the instruments you play. Which one did you start with? Uh, I the first instrument. Well, I I'm. I, do, would you count this as an instrument? It's, it's the spoons. It's when you have, it's just basically like a piece of a drum, right? But you have two spoons and you're like, like playing it like this. Are you trying to explain to her what spoons are, Charlie? They're well, I know, but I mean, not all people, I mean, it's, it's like a country instrument. You don't really have that, like most, do you, do you know what this, you know what I mean by the spoons like that? Have you ever played them before? Uh, no, mine no. was a triangle. The triangle. Hey, same category. Go. Okay. So if you're you going to say triangle, I can totally say the spoons. Same we're look, category. We're looking for a triangle in Julian the Phantoms. If you're interested, we're looking for a triangle player. So. Definitely. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> Owen, how did your background in musical theater prepare you for this role? Oh, it didn't. It did not at all. I, I wish it did. Uh, I Maybe slightly music, like, you know, it helped with some harmonies and it helped with uh, uh, vocal lessons and stuff like that getting into it. But I mean, it was, I was completely pushed outside of my comfort zone with, um, I was really, really, I had a hard time with recording, um, like being in the recording studio and like hearing my own voice. And it was, it was like so intimate when on, you know, on, on a, on a stage, you, you're kind of there in the moment. So you're not really thinking about your voice, but um, getting it down perfectly where, you know, someone's going to be listening to it and like an ear pot an air you know, like um, I was just kind of like overthinking that whole process. So um, it was nerve wracking, but Hopefully there's a season two, so um, I think I'll be more comfortable then. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for taking the time to talk with me today. I really enjoyed it. Of course. Thank you so much. Let's take a break. I'm Catherine from Kansas City, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Gigantosaurus Season 1, Volume 1. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America.
You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Catherine from Kansas City, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking with Cheyenne Jackson, Boo Boo Stewart, Charlie Gillespie, Owen Patrick Joyner, and Jeremy Shada about Julie and the Phantoms. Next up, we'll be interviewing Kenny Ortego and Madison Reyes on Netflix's Julie and the Phantoms. Celine, take it away. Celine Weiss, and I'm from Kids First. Hi, Celine. Hi. I'm so excited to be talking today with Kenny Ortega, the executive producer, director, and choreographer of Julie and the Phantoms, as well as Madison Reyes, who plays Julie. Welcome. Thank you, Celine. That was well done. <laughs> Good. You. you got my last day right. That's so cool. <laughs> Thank you. Mr. Ortega, what about the story of Julie and the Phantoms really made you want to be involved in this project? I, I love the generosity between the characters, what they give to one another. Julie inspiring these young men that come back and have a second chance at life and how she helps them realize you know an un unfulfilled dream and how they awaken her love again for music and the, and the, and the love that they share uh, for music I just thought that that was just a beautiful story helping you know uh, uh, each other get over uh, the grieving period of loss uh, that, that was one big part Celine mm. Madison congratulations on winning this amazing first professional role. What was it like being on set for the first time? Well, you know, um, I was so comfortable with everybody that it kind of just felt like I was just hanging out with my best friends in the world. And, you know, it was actually, um, my first scene was actually with Carlos Ponce. So being able to work with him was so much fun. And um, we were constantly just joking around on set. And, you know, my dad was there. Kenny was so, you know, supportive. And so were the writers. And, Everybody was just, you know, there for me. The boys actually came and surprised me for my first day on set. Um, we took pictures and everything, and it was just so much fun. And then ever since then, it kind of just was this all, you know, smooth and easy. I mean, those, those days that it was, like, a little extra, and you had to, like, be a little more, you know, fun, and there were cooler scenes. But besides that, it was a good time. It's so amazing. It's like a family. Yeah. Mr. Ortega. You have multiple jobs with the series, executive producer, director, and choreographer. How do you juggle all three? Well, you know, years and years of practice and experience, you know, I, and, and I, I, I've been mentored by so many wonderful professionals, you know, I've Gene Kelly and working with, you know, John Hughes when we did Ferris Bueller's Day Off and, you know, my years at Disney that, you know, I, I've just, I, I guess over the years, I've just sort of, you know, found, found out how to sort of, you know, do it all. Um, and, and, you know, it's not like wearing a bunch of hats. It all feels like it's just under one hat and, and that it all kind of, uh, it, um, it connects, you know, producing, directing and choreography all kind of feel like they sort of work together for me. So it, it, it doesn't feel like my brain is being split up into three different places. Mm. Madison, how are you like or dislike Julie? And what do you like best about this role? Um, you know, I like to think that, um, you know, Julie's me, 
before Julie is herself, you know, I definitely embody her in most ways and how she's unique and, you know, very independent and, you know, likes to speak her mind, is creative and, you know, kind, you know, and cares about her friends a lot. Um, you know, there's, there's not much to dislike about her. You know, she, she's very strong and um, she, she definitely stands out from the crowd and she's not afraid to show it and, you know, show who she is. And she's very proud of, you know, her, you know, her race and her, her, her family. And she loves her family so very much. It's something that I care about as well. It's just, you know, family is very important to me. But, you know, she's an amazing character and, you know, being able to pray, play her. Um, and do all the amazing things that she does every day is just so much fun. And, and I get to be able to do it all at once is, you know, so incredible as well. Thank you so much for talking with me. I really thank enjoyed you. it. And thanks thank so much for taking your time out of your day. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we're talking with Callista about A Call to Spy, Benjamin, about All in the Fight for Democracy, Mo Finney for Mambo Man, and Cheyenne Jackson, Boo Boo Stewart, Charlie Gilsey, Owen Patrick Joyner, Jeremy Shadow, about Julie and the Phantoms. Right now, we're switching over to our interview with Anna Mastro about the Secret Society of Second Boring Royals. Hello, this is Benjamin Price reporting for Kids First, and today I'll be interviewing Anna Mastro, director of the new Disney Plus original, Secret Society of Second Born Royals. That is a mouthful. Uh, what drew you to taking on this project? I loved the script because it was like this very untraditional coming of age story uh, about this girl who didn't fit into her world and her family and, you know, realizes she kind of has powers and has a higher calling. And, you know, I was, I lo- I thought it was a great opportunity to make an original movie for Disney plus that like had, could be really grounded and could feel really modern and really like real. And I loved that. Uh, so this is sort of about these teens discovering they have superpowers. When, uh, when it came to that aspect of the story, what were some of your influences? Um, definitely X-Men First Class. Kingsman was a big influence. Um, I love all of those kind of like Marvel sort of action-y movies. I had worked on Runaways. Um, and I thought it was it was fun to see sort of this princess or you know, young kind of teens in a, in a world of, of royals, sort of having having these experiences, getting to blend the world was really fun. Yeah. So speaking of Runaways, you directed an episode on that show. In what ways did your work, your work on that show inform your work on this film? Um... I don't know. I, I mean, when you go into a show, you're very much sort of fitting into what they're doing. But uh, strangely, there was a lot of uh, crew on that that also helped me out on this. Um, same stunt coordinator, uh, Matt Mullins. Um, uh, we had a cinematographer who uh, shot some of the movie that was on that with me as well that I've known for almost 20 years. Uh, and so, you know, it was exciting to think about that show and this because that show has such great writing and then it kind of like is really grounded. It sort of makes fun of the world that it's in a little bit. And um, 
I, I like that sense of awareness uh, in trying to make a modern movie that still like takes place in Illyria, like fake world, but really feels like our world. And I think it was important to make it feel like our world. This film is kind of a significant departure from the last one you directed. Yeah. What were some of the challenges of directing the film's action scenes? Um, I've done a lot of action in between. It's been quite a few years. Uh, and uh, I've gotten pretty good at the action stuff. But like I said, I brought my buddy in crime, Matt Mullins, who's a great stunt coordinator. And you know, helped choreograph some really badass fights. And we had a really great visual effects team in Mr. X who was on set every day and part of the planning of the sequences. And that was a huge gift. So the, the movie kind of culminates in this uh, set piece at the coronation. I'm curious, just in terms of how many extras there were and the costumes and the set design, what went into shooting that one sequence and how did you pull it off? Uh, a lot that sequence well actually the palace itself is made up of probably 15 different locations so it's really broken down by where these real places are and that particular church that was the coronation room is part of U of T and no one's been allowed to shoot in there for 12 years huh. and I knew we didn't we couldn't afford enough extras for a bigger church and so I campaigned I like begged this school this is like a school for students becoming priests or something <laughs> anyways i begged them begged them to let us shoot there it had such a beautiful vibe to it and uh, it would fit like a couple of hundred extras and it was the couple of hundred we could actually afford for the six hours that we needed to shoot the sequence inside the actual coronation um and uh it worked out beautifully we have this amazing costume designer elizabeth stola who's birthday was yesterday and she is a genius and she made the most gorgeous costumes and we really like sort of made these like lookbooks of uh, my assistant my whole team and costumes of like of stuff extras could bring so, so we had a lot of extra costumes for the extras but people did show up in these beautiful things because we were able to send them booklets of like if you have anything like this please come bring it and um I don't, I don't know how we pulled it off. It is so diverse and so beautiful and really represents like an international world to me. It was very special. And the sequence itself, I mean, we're, we're just talking about the coronation, but the actual action sequence is so fun. We love it. Like it, well, it, it makes you like nervous. And talking, that's another one that is very uh, visual effects centered too. Um, so this is a film you talked about first class, similar to that. This is filmed by the team slowly coming together. How did you emphasize those shifting dynamics amongst the cast members who make up said team on set? Like shifting dynamics in the movie, like- um, Yes, yes. Uh, I don't totally understand the question, but I think what you're asking me is like, how do they ultimately decide to like go all in and work together? Um. Yeah, just sort of the gradual shift in where all these different people, we don't necessarily get along. And by yeah. the end, they're fighting against this one. I think as they start to, like, get a handle on what their powers are and how they're going to use them, 
you have these great scenes where they start to really deal with the things, you know, they haven't dealt with in their lives before. Like Roxana really says, like, if, if no one can see me, who's going to like me? And, you know, it's basically just be yourself and be whatever that is in the moment. You see the scene with Sam, and then Sam also has a scene with Tuma where, you know, he kind of understands that, like, using his powers for not good are, are wrong, and he can't do that anymore now that he knows what they are, and he gets a sense of, like, awareness and humility and you know James is really this great coach that kind of pushes them into these situations and then they sort of complete them on their own lastly let's say a sixth spot opens up on the team of the second born royals which second born royal past or present would fit in best with the rest of the team well there are some hidden gems in the underground uh, lair of some secondborns of past. And um, did you catch any of them? I think I saw Margaret and Harry, if I'm not mistaken. Harry's in there. And then there's a couple of others. So you'll have to wait and see. Okay. But if there are sequels, I hope that that is part of it. Well, you heard it here first. Um, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you so much Make for having sure. me. Thank you. Make sure to check out Secret Society of Second Born Royals on Disney Plus September 25th. This is Benjamin signing off. See you next time. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First film critic team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look out for our reviews on Press for Kids, kidsworld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Gigantosaurus Season 1, Volume 1. I'm Catherine from Kansas City, reporting for Kids First. See you later. Bye. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode and tune in again next week.